Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome back to Ecosystems for Change, friends. So typically, I produce a season which takes me anywhere from two to four months to bring you the best and most thoughtful content for the field of ecosystem building. And while I love producing those seasons, I felt like switching things up a little bit in the summer. I don't know about you, but every time I go on social media, I see all of you vacationing on the Greek Isles or somewhere on Bermuda. And while I'm stuck here in my lovely home office in new hometown of Stanton, Virginia, I feel like summer as well. So instead of a fully produced season that is a chapter in our playbook of ecosystem building, I am bringing you the Summer Skill Sessions. I imagine you laying somewhere on the beach, kicking it with a cocktail or mocktail in your hand, trying to keep cool and wondering how to become a better ecosystem builder. Isn't that what we all think about all the time anyway? I don't know about you, but that's kind of where my mind goes when I think about the beach. The idea behind these summer skill sessions is to bring you short snippets of episodes that introduce you to a very practical skill for ecosystem builders that walks you through some of the steps that you need to take to master that skill and leaves you with a lot of resources to dive a little bit deeper and become an expert on this skill. In our first summer skill session, we are going to talk about ecosystem mapping. I know a lot of us get super excited about mapping the ecosystem and it seems like a really good idea. And it is a really good idea if we do it well. In most ecosystems, there's a lot of support available to different kinds of entrepreneurs. And it can be really frustrating if you feel like you're the only one who really understands where everything is at and where people should go. I've talked to a lot of ecosystem builders who have this desire of just getting a lay of the land, mapping it all out so they can direct entrepreneurs. And I'm totally here for it. And there's many ways in which these really well-intended efforts can go terribly wrong. And I don't want you to waste your energy on something that is not going to be fruitful for your ecosystem. So let us dive in. We'll talk about ecosystem mapping. I want to walk you through the five steps that you can take to map your ecosystem. And then I want to share some of my favorite resources and tools to get you really excited and help you study up on this topic. First up, what is ecosystem mapping? In my time as an ecosystem builder, I have seen the most interesting and most creative ways of sketching out an ecosystem. If you look at the innovation ecosystem map from Boulder, Colorado, it is mountain themed, it is very rich, and it's split up by accelerators and incubators, academic programs, events, capital, mentors, so on and so forth. 
I've also seen maps that look more like a subway map. And you can imagine one of your entrepreneurs getting on the subway and changing routes depending on where they need to go next. You could also always just kind of hack it together using Google Maps and creating your own little legend of what is what and where. You can get really fancy and split it up into totally different graphics, or if push comes to shove, you could just create a spreadsheet and try to keep that updated. All in all, when we map an ecosystem, always keep in mind that entrepreneurs come front and center. In many cases, we try to map an ecosystem to help entrepreneurs access the information, resources, and knowledge they need in order to start, manage, and grow their companies. As I mentioned in the beginning, we typically have so many resources available to entrepreneurs, but if those entrepreneurs don't know what the resources are and how to access them, then we're really experiencing a gap in the ecosystem that a really good mapping process and visualization can help us fill. So let's raise awareness of all the assets and resources that are available to entrepreneurs and create an ecosystem map. Before we dive in, there are a couple of benefits that I want to point out and they will make more sense as we walk through the different steps. Number one, in my opinion, the first and foremost purpose of such an ecosystem map is to create a resource guide for entrepreneurs. Whether you want to chart their entrepreneurial journey or show the different on-ramps into the ecosystem and different support types that are available, keep the needs and experiences of the different types of entrepreneurs in your community in mind. Secondly, a good map can also be a guide for the different ecosystem actors or accomplices, as we like to call them in the Shenandoah Valley. Depending on what kind of mapping process you go through, it will allow you to identify some of the barriers, structural challenges, and opportunities that you and the other ecosystem actors in your community can leverage to enhance the experience for entrepreneurs. Personally, and you know, I'm a big, big fan of storytelling. I think that a well done and elaborate ecosystem map is a wonderful storytelling tool because once you're able to physically or virtually show what the entrepreneur's journey looks like, you will have a much easier time to tell the story of what's happening in your ecosystem, where there are synergies for collaboration and Hopefully, you can get other people excited to help filling those gaps and coming on that journey with you. Last but not least, and this kind of ties back to the guide for ecosystem actors, the fourth benefit that this can really be a catalyst for collaboration. As you will see at the end of this episode, ecosystem mapping can be a lot of work and it's really just the beginning of a thriving ecosystem. Put differently, if you map it well, this can really be the starting point for so much more than just creating a map that sits on a shelf somewhere. It can actually start galvanizing true collaboration within your ecosystem to improve the entrepreneurial journey, reduce structural barriers for entrepreneurs, and create more opportunity for cooperation and synergies. All right, that was a lot of lingo, so let's dial it back a little bit and dive into the five steps of mapping your ecosystem. I will say up front, the first step is by far the longest, probably hardest, the most resource intensive. But trust me when I tell you, getting this first step right will absolutely set you up for success. 
Let me ask you this: Have you ever painted a room? Do you remember how painful it is if you don't prepare your room well, and then your paint starts dripping, or you're getting something on the rug, or you're painting over corners, and it just becomes this god awful mess that makes painting really, really awful? I learned a few years ago that if you actually take the time ahead of the paint job to tape off your windowsills and lay out a tarp or some kind of cover on the ground to protect your floors. If you do all this really well, even though it takes a lot of time and effort, painting itself is actually fun and it can be fast and it can be efficient, but you have to do your homework ahead of time. This is how I think about ecosystem mapping. So step number one is long. We'll go through several steps here, but if you get these steps right and the first phase of ecosystem mapping is complete, trust me, you will breeze through the rest of this process. And most importantly, you will have a really, really excellent map at the end of it. Let's dive in. This very first phase of your mapping process is called research design. If you get the idea to map your ecosystem, it would be very easy to lock yourself away in a room and just start jotting down the different support organizations or support types that you can come up with on your own about your ecosystem. You could even do that in a room together with two or three other people and see what they come up with. So I imagine you slinging post-its and just mapping it all out and actually being surprised by how much is available. This is not going to cut it, friends. Your first step, if you're serious about mapping your ecosystem, is to enlist your partners as early as possible. Hear me out. Bringing other people and organizations on board means you will have additional resources. You will get a more nuanced, new and much deeper insight into the ecosystem. Because no matter how much you think you know, you are not a representative of the entire ecosystem, just like you can't be the same six people all at the same time. And this is a good thing. We are not supposed to do this on our own, not the mapping, not the ecosystem building. So enlist partners and engage them from the very beginning to ensure they're fully bought into the process. They help making those early decisions. They help decide who else should be at the table. And they can really co-own this whole process so that it doesn't hang on one individual person. Once you have these partners at the table, define what it is you mean by an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Are you talking about an innovation ecosystem? How do you define entrepreneurship? Is it strictly growth entrepreneurship? Or does it include small business entrepreneurship? Does it include creative entrepreneurs and service providers and solopreneurs? Or are we talking about your typical startup entrepreneurship? Also, what and who do you consider to be part of an ecosystem? Are you thinking just about the actors that are participating and engaging in the ecosystem? Or do you also want to map and document the relationships among them? Are you restricting it to organizations and programs with the specific focus of supporting entrepreneurs? Or are you looking at wider, more macroeconomic factors, such as policy, finance, human capital? There are different models out there of what an ecosystem is and how you might define it. I personally stick with the definition of an ecosystem by the Kauffman Foundation. 
It says the essence of an entrepreneurial ecosystem is its people and the culture of trust and collaboration that allows them to interact successfully. In this case, you would be defining an ecosystem as the different actors and try to somehow capture the level of trust and collaboration among them. If you want to hear more about different models of entrepreneurial ecosystem building, head back to season one and see what all of my guests there had to say and see what different definitions are available. Coming back to the next step in this first phase of research design, who is your target group? In other words, who are you mapping this for? As I said in the beginning, I hope you are putting entrepreneurs front and center of this effort, but you can get a lot more detailed than that. Again, are you talking about high growth startups? Are you focusing on minority founders? Do you want to map the ecosystem specific to women entrepreneurs, student entrepreneurs, small businesses? Defining your target group and getting very clear on who specifically you're doing this for will really help you guide what you're mapping. So sit down with your partners and have a conversation around where you want to draw the line and who this primary target group is. That does not mean, by the way, that your ecosystem map is not going to be valuable to other entrepreneurs, but pick one primary target group to guide your efforts and help you make some of the harder decisions that you will meet further down the road. The next step in this first phase is defining the scope of your ecosystem. In other words, how big is this thing going to be? Where are you going to draw the line? Do you want to capture the ecosystem within your city, within your county, within your state, within the country? If you're just starting out, please don't try to map your entire country. That's going to be really, 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 really hard. So <laughs> when in doubt, start with the smallest possible unit, which is probably going to be your city. But you can also think about your scope differently. Maybe you want to focus on a specific sector. Maybe you're really just looking into the entrepreneurial ecosystem for entrepreneurs in the healthcare sector or IT sector. Maybe you're really into the makers and creators and tinkerers in your community. Whatever it is, get very clear on what you want to focus on because they will have very different needs. Service-based sectors have very different needs than brick and mortar entrepreneurs. So get clear on that so you know what to map and where to draw the line. Of course, as I mentioned before, you could focus on demographics. You can slice that intersectional pie however you see fit, or you can have a combination. You could look at mapping the entrepreneurial ecosystem for BIPOC entrepreneurs in New York City. Or you could try to map the entrepreneurial ecosystem of outdoor recreation startups in a national park. Whatever it is you need, spell it out, write it down, and run it by your partners or discuss it with your partners just to make sure you're all on the same page. Last step in this research design phase is figure out what question or questions you're trying to answer. In other words, if you have done all these previous steps, you should now find yourself with at least one really good, what I would call research question that will guide you in your data collection, in your analysis, validation, and how you want to jump into action. You want to gather and collect everything you've done before and phrase it into one question. For example, what is the entrepreneurial experience 
of a small business entrepreneur in our city. A different question could be, what is it like to try to start a brick and mortar business in our county? What resources are available and where are there barriers and gaps where entrepreneurs can't move forward? Yet another one could be, what is the support landscape for high growth tech enabled startup in the healthcare space in our state? And where do we lose them? At what point in their entrepreneurial journey do we lose this talent and it moves somewhere else? Depending on who your partners are, how you define your entrepreneurial ecosystem, who your target group is, what the scope is of your ecosystem, you can tie all that into a research question that will then guide you forward and also help you explain what you're doing to everybody else you're going to talk to. As I said, this first phase will take a longer time and take a lot of consideration, which I know is hard because we are doers and we hate sitting around a table and discussing things without rolling up our sleeves and getting to work. Trust me, doing this part right, being very thoughtful and considerate into what you're doing and how you're doing it will make you more successful in the long run. Once you have your research question and you have listed all of the parameters, you are ready to go and start the data collection process. I think it's a really good idea to start your data collection with some simple desktop research. Can you find any sort of benchmark reports, any economic data about your ecosystem that helps you set the stage and get some sense for the context within which you're operating? Find out what the industries are, unemployment rates, what entrepreneurial support organizations can you find out about online without even leaving the room? Just getting a sense for how the state is involved and what nonprofits are playing in this space can really help you get a deeper understanding into what it is you're mapping and what you're up against. Next up, you want to figure out how much quantitative and qualitative data you need in order to have a first draft of your map. Maybe you want just quantitative data. Maybe you just want as many responses as possible, only listing support organizations that entrepreneurs are aware of. But as I said earlier, if you're trying to do more than create a directory, if you want to look at the quality of relationships, the level of trust, the willingness to collaborate, you will also need some qualitative data. Otherwise, you won't know what those relationships look like. Qualitative data is also super helpful in helping you figure out what barriers entrepreneurs face. What are some of these common challenges that they encounter that, you know, stop them in their tracks or slow down their growth or make them eventually leave your ecosystem? If you want to capture any of that, I recommend you also collect some qualitative data. Three main ways of collecting data are surveys, focus groups, and interviews. They all have pros and cons. Obviously, there's no one size fits all. You really need to pick what makes the most sense for you. I would say if you want quantitative data, as many responses as possible, try to do a survey. Surveys can be quick and easy in that they're pretty simple to set up and you can distribute them widely. A word of caution, though, just because you send it to 500 people doesn't mean you're going to get 500 responses. So surveys also need a lot of follow-up unless you can somehow make it very enticing or everybody loves you so much that they will fill out any survey you send them. Keep that in mind. A second thing to keep in mind with surveys is it's impossible to have a two-way conversation with people who fill out your survey. If it's 
straightforward yes and no answers, maybe you don't need a two-way conversation. But if you want more nuance, if you want more qualitative insight, a survey is very limited in how much of that you can get. If you want more of that information, that detailed information of how people collaborate and what they're really thinking and feeling and what their experience has been like, I recommend considering either focus groups or interviews because those really bring you into conversation with the people who you want to hear from. Focus groups obviously is a group conversation that you can host and try to ask consistent questions to all different focus groups to get somewhat consistent data. Some people may not be comfortable sharing their experience in front of other people. Other entrepreneurs might actually really get going once they're in conversation with other entrepreneurs, and it may unearth some knowledge, information, or even biases that they had never been aware of or wouldn't have thought of by just filling out a survey, but being in conversation with other founders might actually stir up some really good conversation that helps you map the ecosystem. If you want to go all out and you have the capacity and resources, do interviews with entrepreneurs. As a good ecosystem builder, you should already be having a lot of regular conversations with entrepreneurs in your community. If you want to do interviews specifically for your ecosystem mapping, set aside the time, schedule it, have consistent questions, and engage in a deep conversation with the entrepreneurs. Again, this is where it really helps to have partners on board so that you're not the only one collecting that data, so that you can really spread out this work to different partners who themselves have completely different networks. The wider you can spread that and the more engaged everyone is in this data collection process, the better quality data you get and a more representative sample from your entrepreneurial ecosystem. After you've done phase one of research design and phase two of data collection, we now enter phase number three, which is data analysis. In other words, how do you make sense of all this data? If you have copious pages of information and interview transcripts and, you know, hastily scribbled notes about what this person said and that person said, what are you going to do with all this? This depends on your research question. If you have a good research question, this will be your North Star. If you just wanted to do a directory, you can scan all of your data for the different support organizations, the actors, and their programs. If, for example, you want to see not just who's out there supporting entrepreneurs, but who's doing it well and who's doing it consistently and who's doing it in collaboration with others, you will scan the data not just for the actors, but also for the feedback that people have on these actors and try to pull that into the ecosystem mapping process. I don't know, your research question revolves around different barriers within the ecosystem. You want to analyze all of your data with an eye towards what people mention as barriers, conflict, and obstacles in building their businesses. Your research question that you took a lot of time to carefully craft in phase one will really impact your success in phase number three of data analysis. After however many weeks and months of data collection and analysis, now comes the time to present your initial findings, your first draft. Phase number four is data validation. Get some early feedback from your key stakeholders. Another word of caution here, be diplomatic in presenting your findings. Make sure everybody knows this is a first draft. This is nothing that's going to go public because 
people might not always like what they hear about their own programs. People might get some feedback that is hopefully anonymous about what entrepreneurs are up against. A classical example could be entrepreneurs say, yes, there's this program, but we've tried to use it and we haven't found it helpful or it doesn't really meet our needs or there are so many reasons. There's so much feedback that could be the first time that support organization hears that feedback. So be diplomatic in presenting your early findings and make sure you let people know how this feedback will be used and what feedback will be used. If people take three hours to give you feedback on your map and you already know you're really only going to use the broad themes of feedback and you worry about the rest later, you want to set that expectation really, really early on. Let them know that you will do a democratic vote of what feedback goes into the next version of the map and what you will use for a later time. So set some clear expectations about what type of feedback you're looking for and how this is going to be used going forward. Now we finally come to phase number five of mapping your ecosystem. You get to disseminate your map, whatever it looks like, whether it's really pretty or really functional, ideally a combination of both, you get to put it out into the world and share it with everybody. Again, if you've had your partners on board this whole time, you already have a built-in distribution network for your map. They will help you get it in front of the right people. And that's really what you want, right? You want it to be in front of all the entrepreneurs. Let them kick the tires on that thing and see how you can evolve this map, make it more user-friendly and more useful going forward. But the actual process that you have just gone through with your different partners is really so much more than just mapping. It looks like mapping at first sight, but what you've done is constantly consult with different accomplices and partners and stakeholders in your community. You have talked at nauseum about what makes good entrepreneurial support, what feedback certain organizations and programs have received, what entrepreneurs are still struggling with in your ecosystem, even though you have all these amazing resources. So without knowing it, you have been in this deep conversation around what helps your specific ecosystem thrive and what needs to happen to move forward. Especially for those among you who go beyond just a directory, but really look at the different qualities of relationships, the level of trust and collaboration in your ecosystem. You now have in front of you all these learnings and insights about what entrepreneurs need, what they wish they had more of and what they need help with. What are you going to do with all this knowledge? You will have learned so much in front and together with your partners, and you can now dive really deep and actually start rolling up your sleeves. And that's why doing this process thoughtfully with a lot of consideration will really, really galvanize the activity within your ecosystem. Do you have to make sure everybody's on board before you start? Absolutely not. As always in ecosystem building, recruit the willing early on and keep doors of communication open for anyone who wants to join at a later point. But please do me one favor. If you go through this mapping process, know that this is an ongoing product. As you know from season two, ecosystems are constantly emerging and changing. And any map that we create is a snapshot at best. 
So you could and probably should use this ecosystem map as an excuse to convene your stakeholders and the different partners in the ecosystem every three to six to 12 months, see what needs to be updated, collect some more data and evolve this thing forward so it can become more than just the phone book of entrepreneurial support. You can use this as a tool to move your entire ecosystem forward, to forge relationships, and to really better support entrepreneurs in a holistic way. As I promised, I wanted to leave you with a handful of resources and tools to move forward. If you want to do this yourself, there are a couple of really good resources for your do-it-yourself ecosystem mapping. My good friends at Forward Cities have created the E3 scorecard that give you a really good framework for mapping your ecosystem with your partners and guide you through that process. The Deutsche Gesellschaft für Internationale Zusammenarbeit has created a guide for mapping entrepreneurial ecosystems. This is really a an 80-page version of what I just walked you through. I highly recommend checking it out. It is so full of resources and tools and additional reading. It's really wonderful. But keep in mind that this guide is developed on a country basis. So it's probably a little bit more than most of you need. But I think it's an excellent resource for reference. And then last but not least, Main Street America has created a self-guided training for communities called Building a Community Entrepreneurial Ecosystem. And I'm sure the more you Google, the more tools you will find. These are the three that I find most helpful in do-it-yourself ecosystem mapping. So check them out. There are a growing number of companies out there that will do the ecosystem mapping for you. So if you have the budget And if you have the support from your ecosystem, you may check out one of those companies and see which one will best serve your needs. Sourcelink has a resource navigator program. Ecomaps is out there doing really wonderful work in communities. And there's the Economic Impact Catalyst that also provides ecosystem mapping services. With that in mind, none of them have paid me to mention their names. I have, I'm not affiliated with any of them and there are many more. So do your homework. These are three that you could start with to get a sense. And if you want to talk about it, you know where to find me. There are some really good articles. If you want to dive a little bit deeper, these articles certainly have informed my research and my understanding of ecosystem mapping. Our good friend Jeff Bennett, who you met in season two, is a prolific writer and has thought a lot about the benefits of mapping your startup innovation ecosystem and how to get started mapping your entrepreneurial ecosystem. Both of these articles are published on Medium and I will link to them in the show notes. A key resource that has been really, really influential is also a LinkedIn article by our good friend Chad Renando who looked at different types of innovation ecosystem maps all around the world. It's a long article with lots of graphics and really, really wonderful examples of all the different ways in which you could map your ecosystem. So I will link that in the show notes as well. And last but not least, take a look at the Startup Junkies Venture Ecosystem Building Canvas. If you like a good canvas, if you like the idea of having everything on one page, that would be a really good starting point. All right, lots of information. I hope you enjoyed this first summer skills session on ecosystem mapping. And if you are putting any of this into practice and you're starting to map your ecosystem, by all means, please reach out. Let me know how it's going. Let me know what issues you're running into. 
if there's a lot of feedback and interest, maybe we'll have a season on ecosystem mapping. Who knows? I look forward to seeing you in the next summer school session. Until then, I hope you're kicking by the beach, by the pool, and enjoying your summer. I'll talk to you next time. Annika. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monakan, Shamadasetula, and Manahok people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.